Amen. This morning, I want to preach a message that I've titled, Take the Limits Off. Take the Limits Off. It's our communion Sunday, and so we're going to seal up the word this morning with the communion, by taking the communion. I'll be in Jeremiah 32 and verse 27, and I'll be in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Jeremiah 32 and verse 27, and then Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? It was the Lord that asked that question. And I don't know if there's someone that has an answer to that question this morning. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians 3.20. Let's read together from the word of God. One, two, let's go. Now unto, no, no, that's too low. Rev it up a little more. Rev it up a little more. Now unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. As born-again Christians, we serve the God of all possibilities. And this is a heavyweight statement that if we will take our time to think about it and meditate on it, we will get the best out of it. That we serve the God of all possibilities. This God asked Abraham in Genesis 18:14 something very close and very similar to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 32, 27. He asked Abraham, when Abraham was still believing in for a child, Sarah for the fruit of the womb. And the situation looked so bleak and so hopeless, like maybe the situation of some of us today. Looks like there is no answer, there is no solution. God came and asked Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Let me ask you, church, did God eventually do it or not? Only two people came to church. In Genesis 18 was when God asked this question. And God said, he made a promise as well, according to this time of life, by this time next year, at the appointed time, Sarah shall have a son. Now, I'm asking you, church, did Sarah eventually have a son or not? Genesis 21 answers that question. Genesis 21, very quickly, and verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah, as he had spoken. If you go to verse 6, the Bible says that Sarah laughed. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, so that all that hear me, all that hear, rather, hear the testimony, will laugh with me. I pray for someone today, you haven't laughed in a long time. But you are going to laugh. And that very soon in the name of Jesus. In fact, God will make you laugh today. 
Oh, boy. Uh, there are times when the situation and laughter is very expensive. I mean, it's like you want to spend a million dollars to buy it. I remember struggling with sleep one time, dealing with very terrible insomnia. And every time I yawned, it was as though I had spent a, a, a million dollars to buy that. Because if I yawned, it means that sleep was coming. Because I just would not yawn for a long time. I'll just be there. Looking at the, at the ceiling of my room, my eyes wide open. Even if I closed them, sleep would not come still. But the moment that yawn or yawning came, it was a relief. It was a signal that sleep was around the corner. I also know what it means to be in a situation for a long time that robs you of your laughter. When people laugh around you, you're wondering what's wrong with this. Why are they laughing? What's even funny about this life? I know what it means to deal with depression. I know what it means to deal with sadness. I know what it means to deal with weakness and tiredness. When you're just almost tired of everything and you just want to give up. But there is another chapter. There is another day. There is another season in your life. That's only one season. And I don't want you to stay in that season for too long. And I don't want you to think that that is all that there is to your life. No matter what has happened. As a child of God, we serve the God of all possibilities and is our father. And it is not over until he says so and he has not said so. Can I have an amen to that? Can I have a better amen to that? Sarah said, all that here will laugh with me. Why? Because God has made me to laugh. God will make you to laugh. That amen is too weak for my liking. The same God that made Sarah to laugh. The same God said, I am the Lord and I change not. That's why you sons of Jacob have not been consumed. And in Hebrews 13 verse 8, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. So whatever he did in the past, is still capable of doing right now and to do tomorrow. So if you ever made anyone laugh in the past, is able to make someone laugh today, and is able, make, is able to make someone laugh tomorrow. God will make you laugh in the name of Jesus. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 27. The Lord said, behold, I am the Lord. That's our text. The God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I want to ask you expression house. I want an answer. God said, is there anything too hard for me? I need an answer. Tell me something that God cannot handle. Oh, no. Two people came to church. <laughs> oh, Lord. I want to deal with strong goals this morning. Because I know what it means to mouth it. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the immediate response is nothing. But in your heart... Or maybe in your mind. You're saying, ah, yeah, God can do anything but this one. I know what it means. I've sat there before. I was ministering to a lady years ago and I was telling her, you know, God is good. She said, I can't believe that. 
I said, God's going to heal you. She said, I want to believe it, but I can't. I said, how do you mean you can't? You can. You can believe. She said, Pastor, I like what you're saying. And I really want to believe it. But I just can't. I didn't understand that until later. But I want to say to you, there is nothing too hard for our God. There is nothing too hard for our God to handle. People may look at the situation and call it impossible, but God looks at it and says it is done. The word impossible itself is actually saying impossible. When a situation is called impossible, separate it. It's impossible. Can I have an amen to that? Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 36 to 38 very quickly. Luke chapter 1, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke chapter 1, verses 36 to 38. This was when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, some things are impossible. What do you have in your Bible? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. No thing, no thing shall be impossible. Can I have an amen? And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Before the angel Gabriel came to Mary, he had been to Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest and he had no child. And he kept praying to God for a child. That particular day, he was doing his priestly office. He was carrying out his ministerial assignment when the angel Gabriel came. And he was afraid when he saw the angel. And the angel brought the good news. Hey, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. God sent me to you. You're going to have a son. Your wife's going to conceive. Glory be to God. I thought that should sound like some good news. It's like you've been praying to God for admission to uni. Or a scholarship, or an open door, a new job. And you've been praying for a long time, and an angel shows up and says, God has heard you, it is done. What would you do? Hello? You will rejoice, right? Zechariah said, how am I going to know that this is true? I'm, I'm old already. But you are still praying. If you knew you were, you were old, why didn't you stop praying? And the angel reprimanded him. If you look at it, uh, Luke chapter 1, and then look at uh, verse, um, verse, 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 verse 19. Okay, let's take it from verse 18. Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? How am I going to know that what you're saying is true? I'm an old man, and my wife well stricken in years, but you are still praying. You're an old man. Your wife is well stricken in years. You should have given up praying for a child. Because when the angel came, the angel said, your prayer is heard in verse 13. And your wife shall bear a son. And you call his name John. Naming had been done before the baby was born. Glory be to God. Just like Samson, like Jesus. But the man said, I don't know what you're saying because I'm old. 
and I'm well stricken in years. And the angel in verse 19 answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto you and to show you this glad tidings. Good news. And behold, you shall be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because you believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now, the reason he made him dumb and not able to speak was so that Zechariah would not use his words to abort the miracle. God was ready to do it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 18, 21. So, if he didn't stop him from speaking, Zechariah will speak death. Death over that miracle and that miracle will be aborted. So, he had to get him a way of keeping quiet until the miracle be performed. Are you with me, church? One thing I want you to note in this scripture is the fact that Gabriel said, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. There are angels all around. Angels all over this building this morning. Angels in heaven. Not everyone occupies the office of Gabriel. Gabriel is an archangel. One of the three archangels. You have Gabriel, you have Michael, and then there used to be Lucifer there. He lost his place. Michael is in charge of the warring angels. And then Gabriel is in charge of good news. And God would only send him if it was really very special. Because Gabriel stands in the very presence of God. If somebody stands, if an angel stands in the very presence of God, then he must know God. Am I right about that? He must know the nature and the character of God. Am I right about that? Because he doesn't stand outside the gate of God. He stands in the very presence of God. This is what he said. He said, I am Gabriel, Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God. So if Gabriel brings you a message, that message must have emanated from who? Not from God's PA. From God himself. Gabriel, go now to Mary. Tell her so, so, and so. Go to Zechariah first. Tell him so, so, and so. Then move on to Mary. This man brought an authentic message. Yet, Zechariah met that message with unbelief. But thank God for his mercy. Because there are times in our lives that our situation so boxes us into a corner we can hardly believe. But thank God for his mercy. And whatever it is that God has proposed to do in your life, he will do it in the name of Jesus. When he came to Mary, he said to her, in verse 37, and I want us to hold on to this scripture. The same Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Can we take that as a true statement? Is it true? Ah. <laughs> Don't be like Zechariah. Is it true that with God, nothing shall be impossible? Are you sure? Dosi, can we trust Gabriel? Gabriel said that. Now, for Gabriel to have said that, 
He had been with God from the time that God created him. And he has never seen God fail once. He has never seen any situation impossible for God. And he gave that expo to Mary. Hey, Mary, listen. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Because Gabriel had been there. He had seen the entire scenario. And he knew that God had never failed. And he still knows till today that God never fails. And that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Church, if Gabriel said that to Mary, and it was written in the scriptures for our learning, don't you think he's saying the same thing to us today? That with God, nothing shall be impossible? Come and talk to me. Don't you think so? Now, who said it? The angel Gabriel. Who is angel Gabriel? The one that stands in the presence of God. It's like my wife telling you, my husband will not do that thing. He won't do it. Forget it. Take it away. He won't do it. Take that proposal. He won't do it. Now, you go and check me out and you find out that I won't do it. Why? She dwells in my presence and I dwell in her presence. You've been with your parents, some of you, for many, many years. You know your dad, you know your mom. To a large extent, there are certain things you can say about them. Am I right? Maybe, for example, your dad doesn't eat eba. And somebody has gone all over the world to prepare the best eba that there can be. And molded it in such a way that it becomes tantalizing. Looks very good. And puts okra. And your dad is not a fan of okra. He's not a fan of eba. Anything that is drawing, your dad doesn't like it. But this person has gone shopping and has spent so much money to prepare a bar and okra soup. The kind of okra soup that when you dip one morsel into it, that morsel will have an accident. Do you know what I mean? Because it's loaded with crayfish, with momo, with uh, titles that is smoked. And then there is smoked chicken and grilled chicken. Everything inside the same okra soup. Not, not broke. Some okra soups are broke, but... I'm, I'm talking about the ones that are rich. Are, are, you, are you listening to me this morning? Such that when you dip one muscle into it, that muscle will have an accident. It will collide with some fish and, and carry some crayfish and it will hook. Glory be to God. Amen. And this person prepares it and travels all the way from Lagos with seafood. There is seafood inside the okra. And then says, I want to present it to your dad. You know your dad. <laughs> and you tell her, ah, auntie, sorry you. Uh, you don't know my dad. I know my dad. My dad is not going to eat that food. Oh, no, what do you mean? She tries her best, and your dad says, ah, sorry, I don't eat a banokro. I should have made a pounded yam and a 40 row. If, he had, if she had asked the right person, she would have got it right. You telling someone else about your dad, you're correct because you've been in the presence of your dad for a long time. Am I right about that? Hallelujah. I'm buttressing the point here that Gabriel had been in the presence of the Lord all of these years. And he's still there now. Amen? I have a book titled Angels on Assignment. 
I read about Gabriel in that book. The man of God that saw him said he looks young, like a young man. Maybe about the age of uh, 37 or so, young man. The same Gabriel we are reading of in the Bible. The same Gabriel of, from time immemorial. Do you know why he's still looking young? Somebody should know now. Because he dwells in the presence of God. The presence of God keeps you young. Amen. God is the ancient of days, yet he's not bent like this. Don't you think if you see God, you see a bent old man, weak and tired and walking with some walking stick because he's the Arubo Ojo. Listen, he is the ancient, not of years, of days. His mercies are new every morning. Let's take this statement from the angel Gabriel this morning. That with God, nothing shall be impossible. It's an expo. And I want us to take it. As you run your week, remember that with God, nothing shall be impossible. With men, certain things are impossible. They can tell you, I'm sorry, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do. And then you break down and cry. Hey, listen, go to the bathroom, wash your face and tell God I, I trust you. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Are you with me, church? One of, my, one of my areas of concentration now that I'm doing, that I'm where I've tabernacled, is to meditate on the abilities of God. The abilities of God. I think I mentioned that some weeks ago. To just meditate as I see it in the scripture. You see, we cannot summarize the abilities of God. All the things that God is able to do. Those things are too much for our small little brain. But as the spirit of God reveals them to us, it helps us to know the kind of God that we serve. Because many times, when you are going through some situations, those situations look bigger than life. Larger than life, larger than your life, larger than everything. And this is why people get to a point where they just commit suicide and then they just die. Because they see no hope. They see no way out. They see no future. All right? So, I have decided I'm going to be studying the abilities of God. Are you sure that's better? Because that's not... Amen. God bless you. Don't worry. Don't, don't... Just go and chill and hear God's word. Amen. John the Baptist made a profound statement in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9. He was rebuking the Pharisees when they came to him for baptism. And in the B part of it, he said, don't stop saying that, you know, we have Abraham to our father. He said, let me tell you something. God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. God is able to raise children from stones. Now, the last time I checked in biology, a stone is a non-living thing. Isn't that right? A child is a living thing. Isn't that right? And John was saying to them, I know God so well that God is able to make the non-living and convert them to the living. What is your own situation? That you want to kill yourself? You are still living. Then come on, my friend, there is hope for you. Tell your neighbor, say, there is hope for you. If God can make the living out of the non-living, then he can make the living out of the living. Amen? He can make a testimony out of the living. Can I have an amen to that? I mean, I read that statement in, in that scripture in January this year. I think on the 2nd of January. 
know, the usual Bible, yearly Bible reading plan and all. So I started my Matthew, and I got to Matthew 3, 9. And I got stuck there. It was repeated again in one of the, uh, uh, one of the Gospels. God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. So God can look at a stone and say, child. And immediately the stone says, sir, yes, sir. When did the stone become a child? The moment God said, child. I thank God it doesn't make mistakes. So. Amen. Because if God looks at some of us and says, goat. Instead of saying, ah, no, sir, I'm not a goat. You won't have the chance. Just start bleating. No, 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 no. Why did you become a goat? The moment God said, goat. Because God's faith is loaded in his word. God's power is loaded in his word. The word of God is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. The moment he releases it, he goes into action. Can I have an amen? The moment. Nebuchadnezzar, don't forget. You will go to the University of Animals. And he went there. A man became an animal. A human being. A king. He became so proud. Americans say prideful. God said, okay, you need to learn. Sent him to the University of Animals to learn veterinary medicine by force. For seven years. Until he came back to his senses. And learned to give glory to God. Look. God is all powerful and is all knowing. And he can do all things. Amen. Amen. He looks at you and says you are blessed. Are you blessed? God looks at you and says highly favored. Are you highly favored? Those were the greetings that Gabriel gave to Mary. When he came and said, oh hail Mary. Thou art highly favored amongst women. She said, what manner of salutation is this? What kind of greeting is this? Those greetings didn't come from Gabriel. They came from God through Gabriel. God said, Mary, thou art highly favored among women. Gabriel repeated, hail Mary, thou art highly favored among women. And he looks at you, looks at me today, looks at the church expression house and says we are blessed and highly favored. Can I have an amen? Are we blessed? Are we highly favored? So, I'm beginning to study the abilities of God. What are the things that God is able to do? Matthew 3, 9, and God is able to raise stones, children from stones. Ephesians 3, 20, and now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. What is it that God cannot do in your life? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 and God is able to make us, all grace abound towards you that you always have enough sufficiency in all things should abound or might abound unto every good work. God is able to do just what he says he will do. He's gonna fulfill every promise to you. Don't give up on God, cause he won't give up on you. He's able. Do yourself a favor. Sit down with the word of God and begin to look at the abilities of God. For me now, any scripture where I see God is able and he is able, he is able to save unto the uttermost those who come to God by him. He is able. That's speaking about Jesus. He is able. He is able. Able to do this. Able to turn things around. Able to lift the poor from the dust. Able to, able, able. I said, okay. That's talking about the ability 
of God. Such scriptures demand meditation. Don't just know them by the head. You need to sit down so that it can change your thinking. It's one of the areas I want to address this morning. God is able to raise children from stones. Now I want to ask you, because take off the limits is what I'm preaching about this morning. Where then are the limits? If God is able to do all of these things, the darkest night is able to turn into day. And if he wants to turn the day into night, he has the power to do it. All he has to do is to look at the day and say night. And the moment God says night, night comes. The solar system will have to adjust itself because its maker has spoken. Are you with me, church? Come on, are you with me, church? So then, if God can do all of these things, somebody's asking this morning, well, how come he's not doing certain things in my life? How come it looks like God is limited in my life? Where then are the limits? Where are the limits? God, if you can just do everything, why don't you just do everything for me? But it looks as though there are still some limits. The answer is that the limits are in the mind. Somebody say, in the mind. Touch your mind. This is where your mind is. Your mind is not in your chest. I see people beating their chest sometimes. They say, my mind. You know, I get mine though. I get mine. I get mine. Uh -uh. Guy, mind is not here. This is chest. Your mind is up here. The thinking faculty. The limits are in the mind. In Proverbs 23 and verse 7, the Bible says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. This is why the enemy tries to capture and captivate our mind. Actually to captivate our soul. Because if he's able to do that, it will affect what you are thinking. And what you are thinking will affect your life. Many times some people are not able to think outside the box. Or you are not able to think straight. Especially when there's too much pressure on you. You see, that's when we make mistakes upon mistakes because we are not thinking right. As a man thinketh, so is he. Thinks as a failure, it turns out a failure. Thinks as a success, turns out a success. For as a thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are exactly a product or the product of your thought life. Some people think they have been condemned to the beggarly life. That they cannot succeed. So their own lot in life is to be begging, to live, to survive. No. As a child of God, no, that's not your narrative. Your narrative is to be a lender to nations. Can I have an amen? You might not be there yet, but you'll get there someday. Can I have an amen? Our thinking is important. Do you know that even in the realm of thinking, you can get healed. Just thinking the scriptures, thinking about the ability of God. There was a day I had a pain in my stomach and it was really bad. And the devil was trying to take advantage of my mind, telling me all sorts that could be going wrong inside me. I forced myself to get out of the house that day and I took a walk, took a stroll on the estate. I wasn't praying. I had confessed healing scriptures. The pain grew worse. At a point, I stopped and I looked to the sky. And I like to look to the sky. That's why I like to take a walk. Because the sky is so wide. You see the wide expanse of the sky. And I said, Lord, you are so big. You fill up everywhere. You fill up. In my thoughts, I said, you fill up everywhere. Look at me, very small. Compared to the sky. 
In Isaiah chapter 40, the Bible says that the, all the nations of the earth are like a drop in a bucket before God. What is a drop in a bucket? Listen to me, church. If you are here, please let me get your attention for the next 30 minutes. I know sometimes it's difficult to listen, but please listen. It's one of the plots of the devil to get you to be in church physically, but to get your mind to be elsewhere. And it is as you think, that is who you are. So I want you to think with me for the next 30 minutes. Let's think through the word of God together, please. So I looked to God and said, you are so big. You fill up everywhere. Look at me, I'm so small. Compared to you, you fill up everywhere. Look at the sky from Nigeria to Ghana to Cameroon to the US to Australia. The Lord, you fill up everywhere. So wide. Look at me, so small. If you want to look at me now, you, if not that you are God, you would have needed a microscope to see me. But because you are God, you see me already the way I am. Now, what is my size compared? If all the nations of the world, all the nations are like a drop in a bucket, then what is the size of Nigeria? Come on, talk to me now, church. Very tiny, very minuscule. Now, what is the size of your state? Now, what's the size of Ibadan? Then what is the size of Fred or your own size? God is so massive and we are so tiny. And I said, God, even if you now look at the tiny me, what is the size of that thing in my tummy? What's the size of the entire tummy itself? It was just my thinking. Just thinking. Just thinking like that. And I said, God, thank you. Because I know that this thing is it's so minute before you now. Okay, now. Okay, it's so small in what God can do. How much is your school fees? How much is your house rent that you want to kill yourself? It is too small compared to what God is able to do. What is your entire life that God cannot say to you? How many are you? Is it not only you? Out of the 8 billion people in the world. The problem is so small, but we make it so big. And I'm guilty of that too. I must tell you. And it is the work of the enemy to make us magnify what we are going through as though there is no tomorrow. Today, that chain is broken and destroyed in the name of Jesus. The enemy conquers us in the mind. In the mind. Uh, my parents, they are not together. They are not happy. They are not clinical. That's why everywhere is like this. That's why I'm, I'm toxic also. Hey, listen. God can bring peace in no time. He can so turn things around that the two of them will become lovebirds again. They will forgive each other in no time. And it will be as though nobody ever fought in that family. That's what God is able to do and so much more. Can I have an amen? amen. On the estate that day, that was all. And I lifted my hands and said, Father, I thank you. That pain left me that moment. It left me. The kind of pain that I could hardly take one step before the other. The devil was telling me that day I was going to die. He said, you don't have any ID card in your pocket. You are walking on the estate. You are new on the estate. Nobody knows you. You fall down here, you die now. They will not be able to trace you and trace your family. Does the Holy Spirit speak like that? I walked back home, bouncing. In fact, I bounced back home. When I was leaving, I was taking baby steps. When I was going back, same day, under 30 minutes. No medication. Same day. I will never forget that day. The pain started from church. I thought maybe because I've not eaten, because back in the day, I never used to eat. Every Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And then after service, I told my wife, please send my food. Because I thought maybe because I've not eaten. That was why I had that stomach issue. I ate the food, the pain grew worse. I tried to lie down on my couch, it grew worse. 
I said, okay, let's go home so I could use the convenience at home. We got home. I used the convenience. It grew worse. Everything I did to make it better, it grew worse. I said, okay, let me go to bed and lie down. I did that. It grew worse. I said, okay, let me sit up on the bed. Maybe it will be better. I sat up. It grew worse. I said, okay, let me sit on the floor. Maybe it will get better. My floor is uh, tiled. So it will be cold normally. Let me sit down or maybe lie down. I couldn't sit. I couldn't lie down. I was so restless. And I was quoting healing scriptures. By the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. According to Psalm 107 verse 20. According to Isaiah 3 verse 5. 1 Peter 2 24. I quoted all the healing scriptures I knew. Nothing seemed to work. Now it was working, right? But it seemed as though it wasn't working. Then I had the Lord say to me. Healed people. What do they do? I said, they dress up and they go out. I said, okay, do the same. So I got on my shorts, put on my T-shirt, wore a pair of palm slippers, and walked on the estate, and I began to think. There are times you need to cast your mind back on the goodness of God. Okay, I'm in a situation now that is difficult, but has God ever been faithful? Has he ever been good? Was there a time he delivered? If he did, he would do again. Can I have an amen? Paul taught us in 2 Corinthians 1.10. He said, he who delivered us in the past from so great a death, so great a death. He said, but God delivered, from, delivered us from it. He said, he doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. I pray for someone today, God will yet deliver you. It is the devil's job to make that thing seem larger than life. Until you cannot see beyond that thing. I've been there. I know what it means. The limits are in the mind. The mind is a battlefield. That's why Romans 12, 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does it mean to be transformed? To be transported from one form. You are in one form now, but you need to be transported into another form. You are in one form there, you need to change the form to another form. And that only comes as you renew your mind. And how do you renew your mind? It is by spending quality time in the word of God. Okay, dad, so this is possible. Thank you. I receive it. If you don't spend time in the word of God, you spend time on social media, you'll be hearing what social media is saying. You'll be feeding yourself with what the people are saying. And fear will be coming into you some more. Anxiety will increase. I hardly listen to Nigerian news these days. Because there's no good news there. So don't add to my situation. <laughs> Let me get into the good news. And the good news is the word of God. Can I have an amen? Can I have a better amen? The mind. The mind is where strongholds are formed. And these are thoughts... That limit us, limit our thinking, limit our creativity. They limit our ability to believe God. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 addresses them. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are these strongholds? Casting down, lift up your voice, casting down imaginations and every heightened that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. One thought can make you smile. 
Even in a funeral service, one thought can come. One thought. And for a moment, you forget yourself. You forget where you are. And you just... You can be praying and you get a thought from the Lord. It is settled. And then you smile. One thought can ruin your day. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? After all now, so, so, and so, and so has happened. There's no hope again. Oh! Oh, God! Did anybody beat you? Why are you crying? One thought. So don't tell me thoughts are not powerful. And don't tell me the enemy does not fire them into our mind as arrows. That's why the Bible tells us to cast down imaginations. It can give you imaginations of yourself in the coffin, yourself in the tomb, yourself, and people gather in the church and they are crying, crying, crying. Those are imaginations you can cast them down. You have a choice, and you have a choice to, it's your mind, and it's the mind of Christ, to imagine good things happening in your life. You can imagine yourself receiving an award in Washington, D.C. Can I have an amen? Because those who do don't have two heads. Can I have an amen? Uh-huh. That someday even the president of Nigeria will send for you and say, want to give you a merit award. It, because it is possible. Can I have an amen? It's about how you use your mind. How you, who you allow to rule your mind. One door has closed. Thank God for that. A bigger door will open. Can I have an amen? And that one door has closed does not mean that it's the end of your life. Your life is a whole book. Not a chapter. If one chapter closes, you go to the next. What I'm sharing this morning is powerful, and I want you to really be blessed. Because as young people, the devil really toys with our minds. Especially these days, people have a lot of mental health issues. I was ministering at the Polytechnic Ibadan some time ago. We went there for uh, worship His Majesty. And as I ministered, I spoke about mental health issues. If anybody had mental health issues come for prayer. I was surprised. Those who stepped out, one of them came to me after that service and said, Pastor, it was me you were talking about. I don't want to give you much, much more information than that. What people are dealing with. You just see all of us having fine faces and everything set together in church and everything is cool. <laughs> but uh, beneath the pancakes and the foundation, Eh? If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Underneath the foundation, uh, you see some people wearing nice clothes, well laundered, everything is prim and proper, put together, well trimmed beards, everything okay, looking okay. But God will make everything okay. Everything is going to be all right. In the name of Jesus. Strongholds are thoughts that limit our mind, limit our creativity. Those are actually the limits. And I, I'm going to pray for you. Psalm 124, verses 7 and 8. Actually, verse 7 says, the snare is broken. Our soul is escaped as a bird. Psalm 124, verse 7. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. I pray for someone today. Thank you, choir, for taking that special number. One of the lines says, I speak Jesus over every soul that is held captive by depression. Depression is a terrible thing. It holds you captive. And it doesn't want to let you go. It doesn't want to let go of you. Such that you can't think outside it. You can't smile. You can't laugh. You're just not happy. You're not joyful. You're just there. That's captivity. I, I decree this scripture. 
over every soul listening to me and watching online and everyone here physically this morning. Every soul, every soul. That thing that has held you captive as a snare of the fowlers. That snare is broken. That snare is destroyed. That amen should be better than that. That snare is broken. That snare is destroyed. And your soul escapes in the name of Jesus. So that our soul is escaped. When you open a cage where you had a live bird, what do you think the bird will do? Fly away, oh glory, fly away. The guy will fly. The guy will fly. He's been trying to fly, but you kept him in the place. Some of you are due for flight. You are due for flight in your career. You are due for flight in your studies. You should be going from scholarship to scholarship. You are too brilliant for where you are. You are too smart for the level on which you are operating. In your business, in your career, in your ministry, in your work with God. You are still being fed with milk. When you should be taking strong meat, if you have strong bones. When you should be taking it. It's, it's sad also when Christians assume that it is the job of your pastor to be doing certain things for you. There are certain things the pastor will do. Yes, he will feed the flock, but you have the responsibility as a child of God. You have access to the same word of God to feed yourself. Christianity is a DIY. Do it yourself. Many of us are too loaded for the level at which we are operating. Again, I decree this morning, that snare is broken. Whatever has held us captive is broken. Not only broken, it is destroyed. And our soul, our creativity, our ideas, the anointing, our, 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 our insights, concepts, and ideas, fly in the name of Jesus. Somebody say fly. You will begin to fly in the name of Jesus. In Deuteronomy 33 and verses 26 and 27. He said, who is like unto you? Who is, the, who is like unto the God of Jeshurun? Deuteronomy 33, 26 and 27. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun. Who rideth upon the heaven in thy help and in his excellency on the sky. God is riding upon the heaven. What is he doing? He's bringing help to you. I said God is bringing help to you. I said God himself is bringing help to you. It is one level for God to send an angel. It is another for God himself to bring it. God is bringing help to you. I didn't write the Bible. The Holy Ghost wrote the Bible. And he said there is none like unto the God. The God of Jeshurun. The God of Jacob. Who rideth upon the heaven in your help. God is bringing help. Hey. They said tomorrow about this time you are going to be ashamed. God said tomorrow about this time you are going to be helped. And in his excellency on the sky. The most excellency is Jesus. <laughs> Woo! The next verse, verse 27. Thank you, media. God bless you. The eternal God is thy refuge. Somebody said, the eternal God is my refuge. I am not my own refuge. I don't have policemen as my refuge. I don't have soldiers as my refuge. God! God that cannot die. God that nobody voted in and nobody can vote out. Hmm. Somebody said, don't, don't mess with me. We are the one in government now. You are the one in government today. You won't be in government forever. You will soon become ex-governor, ex-president, ex-senator. 
Yea, but my God is eternal. He sits on the throne forever. The eternal God is your refuge. He's our refuge in this church in the name of Jesus. And underneath are the everlasting arms. It means we are not going to fall. This is my favorite scripture when I'm flying in the air. I say, Lord, underneath these aircraft are your everlasting arms. This plane will not crash. No, it won't. I experienced turbulence one time in Nigeria, within Nigeria. Flying, I think from Abuja. Abuja to Lagos. I don't want to bore you with that. But it was a little terrible. The lady in front of me was cringing. Cringing with fear. Interestingly, that day, I just, I, I, I was cool. Normally, I should not be cool. But I didn't know why. I was, I was just cool. Hmm. Let's dig deeper into the word of God. The word of God builds confidence in us. When that plane landed, the man beside me, if they say, oh, his soul or his heart was already in his mouth, about to vomit it. The eternal God is your refuge. Underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. Can I have an amen to that? A better amen to that. So as we go into this week, we are protected in the name of Jesus. We are covered on every side in the name of Jesus. Because the eternal God is our refuge in the name of Jesus. You are not going to fail. You are not going to falter. You are not going to even stumble in the name of Jesus. Let me give us two points. How limits creep in. How do limits creep in? These things that limit us, how do they normally creep in? How do they creep in? How do limits creep into our mind? Number one, when we stay away from the place of intimacy with God. When you stay away from the place of intimacy with God. If you take a fish out of water and drop it on the floor, on the ground, over time, what's going to happen to that fish? You're going to kill that fish because you've taken it out of its natural habitat. Our natural habitat as Christians is our fellowshipping with God. That's why your most peaceful time and your happiest moment and your best moment, the best moment of your life is not when you get an award. It's when you spend time, your time in the presence of God. Psalm 16 verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life. For in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand pleasures forevermore. David cried out in Psalm, 40, Psalm 63 and verse 1. O Lord, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsted for thee, my flesh longed for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Why? To see thy power and thy glory, even as I've seen you in the sanctuary. He thirsted for the presence of God. I think it's in Psalm 42, he said, As the heart panted after the water brooks, so panted my soul after thee, O God. He said, when shall I come? When shall I appear before God? Your natural habitat is the supernatural. Your natural habitat is the presence of God. Don't stay away from that presence. You can't survive it for too long. And you don't load up the presence for tomorrow. Today I've spent six hours in God's presence. The rest of the week, even if I don't pray, it doesn't matter. No, it has to be daily. Can I have an amen? Can I have a better amen? In teaching the disciples to pray, in Matthew chapter 6, one of the verses, it says, so 
Give us this day. No, sorry. Give us this day our weekly bread. Huh? Give us this day our annual bread. It has to be daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Our fellowship is with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's our natural habitat. That's where we get strength from. That's where we get encouragement from. That's where we receive peace. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. How can your mind be stayed on God unless you spend time to be in the presence of God? Your mind will not be stayed on God. It will be stayed on the problem. I've been there. I know what it means. When you can't think of any other thing but that situation. You have a carryover, for example. Your mind can be on that carryover and then you lose out on so many things. As if that carryover is the end of the world. Are you with me? So get back into the place of fellowship. In Mark 1.35, the Bible says, A great while before day, Jesus departed into a solitary place and there prayed. A great while before day. Jesus will do a miracle in the afternoon all day. Miracles, miracles and then teaching and preaching and healing and all night he goes before the father to pray. What's he praying about? Was he asking for money? Jesus has all the anointing without measure. The spirit was given to him without measure. John chapter 3 tells us that. How come he's still staying before the father for several hours? In John chapter 6, they finished a meeting where he had fed the people. And he left the meeting while the disciples were gathering the fragments, about 12 baskets, and departed to the mountain to pray. When they waited for him and they couldn't wait anymore, they got into the ship, into the boat, and they were on their way to Capernaum. When he was done praying, he came to the seashore and there was no ship there and he started walking on water. I don't know how long it had taken them to travel. But Jesus caught up with them. So that is double supernatural acceleration. The fact that he was able to suspend the natural laws, walking on water, number two, he was very fast. <laughs> Woo! When they saw him coming, ah, it's the spirit! No, no, it's me. Guys, calm down. Be of good cheer. And then they were willing to receive him into the boat. And then, because they were almost going to speed, speed up. And then he got into the boat. And the moment he got into the boat, this is the second part of this supernatural acceleration. The boat got to destination. Whatever good destination God has for you, you will get there. Your boat will not capsize on the way. Your life will not be aborted. Your destiny will not be thwarted. God's plan for your life will not be truncated. No matter what the enemy tries in this year, 2023, which has been an eventful year, we will all make it through. Come December 31st, we'll be rejoicing before the Lord. Because the Lord would have been saying that the Lord has intervened in our affairs in the name of Jesus. And that which the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it to you for a testimony according to Luke 21, 13, in the name of Jesus. Shout a better amen. A better Amen. Don't stay away from your intimacy, your place of intimacy with God. 
in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. The church grew and multiplied. And there came rancor in the church. That's what happens when church grows. There will be all manner of fights. Somebody is not greeting somebody. Somebody has something against somebody. It happens in every church. The apostles were settling quarrel every day. Between the Greek, the, the Grecian uh, uh, widows and the Hebrew widows, uh, can they, call? They, are, they are serving these ones. They are not serving us. They are, they, are, they are giving them more food. They are giving them 16 loaves of bread. They are giving us eight. The apostles said, look, we are going to be distracted. Let's get men and appoint them over this business so that we may give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Whatever takes you away, I wrote in my notes, anything that will distract you away from the place of fellowshipping with, with God is an agent of limitation. That thing wants to limit you. Anything, anything that distracts you away from the place of fellowshipping with the Lord. It can be a legitimate business. So it can be your job. It can be whatever. It can be your relationship stressing you too much. And every time, that's what you're thinking about. Instead of spending time in the presence of God, that thing is an agent of limitation. Anything that can take you away from the presence of God will limit you. Anything that can take you away from the presence of God is ready to limit you in life. Because in his presence is your lifting. Are you with me? Because in his presence, he will tell you what to do. Your ear will hear a word behind you. What to do. Which way to turn. This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the left and to the right. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In his presence is guidance. Romans 8 and verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In the, uh, uh, the message translation, it says God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and there are places to go. We get those things when we stay in the presence of God, in the place of prayer, in the place of the word. God will be speaking to you. He'll be ministering to your heart. Don't go to that place today. Go here. Don't do this one today. Do this. And before you know it, mm, divine speed. And I pray for someone, for all of us who have missed it. When God spoke, we did not hear. Or we heard and still went our way. And we have got our fingers burnt. May mercy speak for you in the name of Jesus. Because we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But can I tell you what? We are not, our ministry is not about amplifying mistakes. Our ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. The gospel is about another chance. Samson's here, grew again. Am I right about that? And if Samson's here, grew again, your hair also will grow again. <laughs> Even if it's your physical hair that you are losing, your hair will grow again. I think that's found in Judges 16, 22. The Bible says, and his hair began to grow again. You know what that means? God gave Samson another chance. Ah, pastor, I've committed abortions. I've done this, I've done that. Well, if you repent, God will forgive you and give you another chance. Don't kill yourself because you, oh, God cannot use someone like me. God, uh, are you deputy God? Has he told you that I cannot use you? People can write you off. That does, that's not God. Are you with me? If you live off on people's validation, you will die of their criticism. The same people that said to him, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they put their clothes on the floor. Oh, you are right. Oh, God. Ah, you are the best. You are the, be you are the bomb. The next day, crucify him. He's an idiot. Who is he? Who does he think he is? That's the nature of people. 
in Acts 27 when Paul had the shipwreck. And they survived the shipwreck. And the barbarians began to help them. They made some fire so that they, because it was winter time and it was raining. People said they had mercy on them. But while they were making the fire, Paul joined them to gather sticks. And as he was gathering sticks, he didn't know there was a viper in the sticks. And the viper came out and fastened itself to Paul and beat him real hard. Listen, when a viper like that, a snake, bites someone and, they f and it fastens itself to the person, he's trying to pour poison into that person. It's not just biting and running away. It fastens itself. It wants to pour all its poison or so much of its poison into Paul. So the barbarian said, ah, this man must be a murderer. He had escaped death by shipwreck, but the God of justice, which they were serving, has caught up with him. So they expected him to die, to swell up and die. But Paul shook up the beast into the fire. Get out of here! One of the secrets of Paul, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. He had so much spoken in tongues that even the viper had no power over Paul. He shook the beast off into the fire. And the Bible says that when they looked at him for a long time and he didn't fall down and he didn't die, they changed their minds and they said he was a God. People change their minds. Are you with me? People change their minds. So don't, don't live off on their validation of you. They praise you today and then your head is swelling. Tomorrow they will drag you on social media. Same people. <laughs> you too. Your heart will just be broken. No? So when they praise you, take it with a pinch of salt. So that when they criticize you, you say, that's fine. Is that what you have to say about me? Move on with your life. Move on. Let me tell your neighbor, say move on. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but somebody has to move on. Somebody has to move on. I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody has to move on. Number two, how do limits creep in? Number one is that when we stay away from the place of intimacy. Number two, when we get too familiar with King Jesus. When we get too familiar with him, get too familiar with God, we limit God. We can limit God in our lives. Psalm 17 verse 41 says, they provoked him. Yea, they limited the Holy One of Israel. We can by ourselves, by our actions, limit God. And I pray again for someone this morning. And I'm praying for all of us. Wherever we have limited God in our lives, may God have mercy on us. Mercy for another chance in the name of Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, Jesus went to his own hometown. And they so dishonored him. He spoke powerfully. And they said, whence has this man this wisdom and this mighty works? Where did he get this wisdom from? And all the mighty works that he's doing. Ah, ah! And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Where did he get the wisdom from? And guess what? You would think that they were praising him. It sounded like that. But the next moment, look at what they said. Next verse, please. Is not this the carpenter? There were professors in those days. Though. But he chose to not come as a professor. Because if you read your Bible very well, in Luke chapter 5, when he was in the house, there were doctors of the law and the Pharisees that came to hear him. Doctors of the law. Those are professors. Professors. 
But he came, he chose to come as a carpenter. And look at the way they were deriding him and spiting him. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? The brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Ah, we know all his sisters. Are they not here with us? And they were offended at him. They took him for granted. Over familiarity with the anointing cuts off the supply of blessing to you. You can't despise a vessel and still be blessed by that same vessel. Over familiarity. Look at what happened. Because of this, look at what happened. Go to the next verse. They were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Next verse. And he could dare do many mighty works. Huh? What does the Bible say? He could do no mighty work, not one, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he left. Go to the next verse. He went about the villages and he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled. The Lord marveled because of their unbelief and he went round about the villages teaching. They limited him. He came to bless them. Capernaum was where he lived. He had his house in Capernaum. But he came home to his own people. Whatever he had done in Capernaum, he wanted to do at home. He wanted to bless his own people. It's amazing, you know, as a minister, sometimes when you go to other churches where you're invited and then you preach and then people are blessed and miracles happen, you come back to your own base and you just preach. It is not God's order. It is honor or dishonor in the hearts of the people. Because even in your base, those who honor... They have a reward for that. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Over familiarity with the anointing limits you. It brings limitation to our lives. They limited what Jesus could do. He wanted to do mighty works. The Bible says he could do no, no, not a single mighty work. Except that he just laid hands on a few sick folk. Okay, you have malaria there. All right. Oh yeah, fever, be gone. Typhoid, well, be gone. Those who had serious issues, he couldn't do it because of their unbelief. Their unbelief limited him. We know him now. Ah, this one. How can he now be the one laying hands on us? I know, I know him. Are you with me? Are you with me? This also has to do with us in church. Our relationship with one another. Don't get too familiar with people because God can use your friend to lay hands on you and to pray for you and to even receive a word of wisdom for you. Maybe someone that prays with you was there. We've been praying together for three years. She has never given me any word. How can, this, how can God use this one? God can use any vessel that is available. Are you with me? Maybe it's Paul. What does he have to say? We know Paul now. 
When did he become a preacher? What's, what's wrong with him there? No, and then just mention the name and then throw them off. Back in the day, some people, when they come to church, before we started the youth church, and they, 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 they saw that it was not the senior pastor ministry, they would turn back from the doors. So that means the person ministering could not bless them. And maybe God had packaged a word for them for that day through that vessel. Let's conclude this message. I want to say to you that we are all chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Let's be open to God. And let him bless us as a church. I want to plead with those of you that have rancor against one another. Those things, evil speaking, keeping malice and all of that, can limit the flow of the anointing. Stop it. Forgive people. If you need to ask for forgiveness from someone, ask for, them. Ask for forgiveness from them. Let love flow amongst us. Let God flow. Where love is, God is because God is love. First John 4, 8 and 1 John 4, 16. Many of us didn't know one another from home now. We came from different families. We got to know one another in church. So whatever it is that is causing rancor, we can finish it and drop it off and let God have his way in our midst. I conclude this message by saying, how do we take these limits off? I don't want anybody to be limited in this church. We all carry potential to be great. The potential for greatness is in us. Do you know what it means to be born again? You have Christ in you. Ah. Church. I mean Christ, the living word of God is in you. According to Colossians 1.20, that is the hope of glory. Not the hope of shame. Christ in you. The hope of glory. We are set up for elevation. Can I have an amen? Can I have a better amen? amen? We need to get these limits off of our lives. We need to get them off of our lives. Two points I'll give you very quickly. Number one, get back into the word and meditate. Get back into the word of God and meditate. Meditation opens you up to new realms of possibilities. New realms of possibilities. They come in the place of meditation. Meditation is a discipline. You have to get into it. And I'm talking about biblical meditation. It takes time. It requires time. And you have to give it to it. You can't rush meditation. These days when we wake up in the morning, the first place to go is the social media. We check our phone, 45 minutes. And then we suddenly remember, oh, I've not prayed. On the way to the bathroom. Five minutes, your prayer is done. Father, when I come tonight, we're going to fellowship together. Don't worry, Father. Trust me. I love you. And then you come back in the evening, you're all tired. And you manage to find your way to the kitchen and you fix some dinner. And after fixing dinner, you eat it. And after eating it, you start dozing off from the dinner table. Lord, I thank you for today because I climbed the mountain. <laughs> and then you wake up the next morning 
and then you go back to your status updates, how many views, and then you go to your Instagram, how many likes, and then you go to your Twitter, how many retweets, right? And then you go to TikTok, how many TikToks, and then you go to yellow pages, or what do you call them, uh, Snapchat, and then you go to where else do you go, WhatsApp is there, then where else, Facebook, and, and then you check everywhere, check everywhere. By the time you're done, everywhere is about 45 minutes to 50 minutes. And then you remember, oh, I've not prayed. That's not how to survive. In the days in which we live, <laughs> the devil is not taking it easy with the church, and the church should not take it easy with the devil. We are fighting against a full-time devil. We cannot afford to be part-time Christians. A part-time Christian cannot defeat a full-time devil. Christ has defeated him. Let us enforce our victory. Can I have an amen? amen? I mean, when life squeezes you, is there any scripture that can come out of you? Yeah, Mobile. Yeah. According to the book of uh, Third Chronicles, uh, Second Joseph, First David, because there is nothing in your heart, nothing in your spirit. Huh? Where there is no deposit, there can be no withdrawal. You don't go to the ATM when you know your bank account is empty. Shandala Bahaya, Sekete, Pam Pum Pum Pum, Withdrawal, Chaka. How much? 20K. And you know that you know that you know. That you don't even have up to a thousand naira there. It's 536 naira 24 cobble. And you press 20k. No deposit, no withdrawal. And it's what you deposit on the inside that will come out in the face of fire. That's why Job 22, I believe, yeah, from verse 21, encourages us acquaint now thyself with him and you'll be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Receive the law from his mouth. Next verse. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth. And lay up his words in your heart. Store the word of God in your heart. Store it for the days to come. Like farmers get a harvest and they store in barns. For the days of leanness. For the days of famine. Lay up his words in your heart. If thou return to the Almighty, next verse, thou shalt be built up. Media has stopped, so I move on. Get back into the word and meditate. Stay there. Meditation is to stay there. The Hebrew word for it, there are about three of them. One of them is shuak. And there are other words. Then in the uh, Greek is meletao, which means to ponder. Not only to mentally ponder on it, form pictures of it. Form yourself. See pictures of yourself in the word. It also means to muse. It means to mutter. It means to utter. It means to confess. So part of meditation is confession. You are busy in the kitchen, you are chopping vegetables, and you are chopping carrots and all that, and you are confessing the word of God. God, according to Philippians 1.20, in nothing will I be ashamed. In nothing. 
will I be ashamed? In nothing will I be ashamed. Even the lawful captive shall be delivered and the prey of the terrible shall be taken away. You are thinking about that scripture and you are saying it. You are thinking about it and you are saying it. You are thinking about it and you are saying it. You are walking on the streets, you are thinking about it and you are saying it. It's part of meditation. You sit down and form pictures. Okay, this is what they have said. But I believe that the Lord is coming for me and it's coming through and it's coming strong. And I'm not going to be ashamed. Can I have an amen? That's why God commanded Joshua. In Joshua 1.8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night to observe to do all that is written therein. Why? Can you put that scripture on the screen? I want everybody to put their name there. Please, quickly, quickly, quickly. I'm wrapping up now. Put your name in wherever you see thou, thee, die. Let's go now. One, two, go. This book of the law shall not depart out of Fred's mouth, but Fred shall meditate therein day and night, that Fred may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then Fred shall make Fred's way prosperous, and then Fred shall have good success. Can I have an amen? It says Fred shall have good success. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? It says Fred shall have good success. It says Fred shall make Fred's way prosperous by meditating in the word. This is a very busy generation. Make time for meditation, please. Make time for meditation. Answers will come in the place of meditation. Solutions to problems will come in the place of meditation. You're having problem with a particular person, maybe a lecturer or a friend or a colleague. When you are meditating the word, he can tell you what to do. I remember having an issue with my landlord one time. Sometime... Last year, into this year, some people had bad-mouthed me and said certain things that I didn't do. And it was becoming, our relationship became very sour. And he doesn't live in Nigeria. After a Sunday service like this, I just sat there in my office. And my mind was on what I preached. And the Lord gave me an instruction, get on your phone, compose the message. I composed it, delete this one. I didn't tell you this one. I deleted it. Add this one. I added it. Sent to him. I sent to him. End of discussion. The next day, he sent, he sent a message from overseas. Go and tell Pastor Fred, all is well. It's all over. The same man that someone had tried to intervene between us, a pastor, and he said, no, I don't want to hear anything. This one now, nobody but God. In the place of meditation, in the place of meditation, all of the rancors we have amongst ourselves can be over. Some of us need to swallow our pride and go to someone and ask for forgiveness. So that what God has packaged for that relationship can see the light of day. Are you with me? In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 15, Paul said to Timothy, his protege in the ministry, meditate upon these things. Can I have that quickly, please? Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Does that not sound like what God told Joshua? So that you may make your way prosperous and you may have good success. Paul said that your profiting may appear to all. Meditate upon these things. Meditation is key. But many, many times we meditate on the wrong things. What do you think produces worry? What is worry? What is actually meditation? I'm, I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. When you sit down and meditate on the wrong things, what the devil has said, what people have said, 
and you sit down there and you're considering it and considering it and you see it happening and you see it happening and you see it happening and you consider it and you see it happening. That's worry. And it doesn't bring any solution to anything. Amen? Let go and let God. Amen? Let go and let God. Whatever you cannot handle, don't try to kill yourself on it. Hand it over to God. If you can handle it, handle it. But if you cannot, hand it over to God. I preach to you, I preach to myself. Amen? And I repeat this again. Even if you have messed up your life, we can ask for mercy. Because with God, you can have another chance. Samson's hair began to grow again according to Judges 16.22. Oh, my time is up. I have one more point and then I'll stop. I pray for someone today for the mercy of God. I pray for the mercy of God. I pray for the mercy of God. It says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the hour of need. Hebrews 4.16. We obtain mercy in the name of Jesus. I say we obtain mercy in the name of Jesus. Number two, which is my final point. Before I go to number two, let me say this about meditation. Meditation helps you to develop a possibility mindset. A possibility mindset. Mm. The kind of mind or mindset that sees possibility in everything. Is it possible for you to be successful? Is it possible for you to get married? Is it possible for you to be used by God? Is it possible for you to be great in life? Is it possible for you to be a blessing to the less privileged? Some people say, ah, even me, I'm less privileged though. And I'm saying that I, I should be a blessing to the less privileged. Even me, I, I need help. That's a kind of mindset. If they sell perfumes... For 1,000 naira, expensive perfumes that should go for like 50,000 naira. For 1,000, there are people that will not buy it. If they sell cars, cars that cost millions for 100,000, there are people that have the 100,000 and they will not buy. So I would rather check. I will buy Okada. It's too expensive. The man has several millions, but he just will not buy. Not because he can't afford it, but mindset. Are you with me? Mindset. As God's children, we should have possibility mindset. Is it possible to pass your exams? Is it possible to get a job with a multinational? We have an example in this church. And so many examples will crop up. Can I have an amen? It won't just be Dr. Esther or me. Ajeki, to be many, many of us in the mighty name of Jesus. I see God lifting the poor from the dust. God will lift you in the name of Jesus. My prayer for all of you in this church is for God to lift you. And God will lift you. I say God will lift you. Number two. Say what God has said about you. How do we take off the limits? Because we need to get these limits off. Say what God has said about you. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13, the Bible says, We have in the same spirit of faith as it is written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. 
we also believe and we therefore speak. But before it got to that point, if you look at it from verse 7, say we have, the, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Then we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are, uh, uh, we are perplexed, but not in despair. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Or not, yeah, not destroyed. We bear in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that the life of Jesus also might be made manifest in our body. Right? And then, if you look at the life of, and the ministry of Paul, you will see trouble, trouble, trouble almost every time. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, he spoke about the trouble that came to them in Asia. So, when you find yourself in trouble or tough situations, it doesn't mean you are not a child of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? But say what God has said, even in that trouble. Decree the word of God. The fact that you are walking by faith does not mean that you are not going to have trouble or challenges. They will come, but you will overcome. They will come, but you will overcome. I said they will come, but you will overcome. Oh, good, 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 good. They will come, but you will overcome. You're not, you're not going under. I won't be going under. Because I'm not held by my own strength. Because I built my life on Jesus. He'll never, he'll never. Now, he's faithful through. You don't know the song? And he won't, he won't, he won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Psalm 103, verse 20 says, bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. When you put the word of God in your mouth, it becomes powerful when you mix it with faith. I heard it, one of our fathers in the faith say, God's word in your mouth is as powerful as his word in his mouth. Especially when you mix it with faith. You can push off the limits. Push the limits off by the power of the spoken word. Decree a thing and let it be established. Business people, you should do this a lot. Decree a thing and let it be established. Uh, Job 22 and verse 28. Job 22 and verse 28 says, And you shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. Then shall your ways be full of light. What are you decreeing? Let me ask your neighbor. Say, neighbor, what are you decreeing over your life? If some of us will listen to ourselves... If God would allow us to have a supernatural playback of our words in one day, we will feel sorry for ourselves. In church like this, your faith is up. This is an atmosphere of faith. Praise God. And then Sunday evening, how far? I'm tired. I don't know what to do again. I'm this, I'm that. Let's begin to change that. Use your mouth. To speak your way up. Even though everything looks dark and scary. Speak your way up and out of the situation. Up every day and out of the situation. Up and out of the situation. Are you with me? Use your mouth to speak your way up. Don't speak yourself down and out. If you do that, it will be expensive. Are you with me?
push off the limits. Push off the limits by the power of the spoken word. Expand your horizon. Expand your horizon. Push the limits. Limitations want to keep us small. They are containers or containment. Something that wants to keep you small. Life will not give you a chance. Create one for yourself by the power of the spoken word. Are you with me? Only two people came to church. Are you with me? Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. If you will have whatever you say, then you should be mindful of what you say. I am helped by God. Stand on your feet, everybody. I am marvelously helped. Say that. I give you one minute. Don't pray. Just decree God's word over your life. You will see the abundance or the scarcity of the word in your heart now. So that will make you repent. Oh yeah, go ahead. I want to hear you. Don't pray. And don't speak in tongues. Decree. Make decrees. Make declarations. Don't come up with cute little things. I want to hear the word of God. The word of God. Not, I'm fine. I'm really fine. I'm okay. And I will be fine. I don't want to hear that one. Speak the word of God. Uh-huh. In nothing will I be ashamed. Philippians 1.20. Let me help you a little bit. I've given you one now. Psalm 37 verse 19. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine. They will have more than enough. Psalm 37 verse 19. I've given you two now. I think it's the NLT. New Living Translation. Decreed. Decreed. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. Is that you? Put yourself there. Say, I will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, I will have more than enough. More than enough. Dollar is over 1,000. More than enough, I will have. Pounds is 1,000. More than enough, I will have. I'm not going to bother myself with the problems of Nigeria. Give me Psalm 37, verse 25. Same chapter, verse 25. Verse 25. Once I was young and now I'm old. Yet have I never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. I will not be abandoned. My children will never beg for bread. Never. I will never be abandoned. My children will never beg for bread. Push the limits. Push the limits. You should do better than your parents. Even if they are already successful, you should be more successful than your parents. Decree the word. Decree the word. Decree the word. Psalm 5 verse 12. 
KJV. Psalm 5, verse 12. Thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. You will surround them with favor as with a shield. Give it to me in the Amplified Classic. AMPC. You are still making decrees. Decrease something and let it be established. There will be no harassment on my life. No disgrace. No shame. For you, Lord, will bless the uncompromisingly righteous. Him who is upright and in right standing with you. As with the shield, you will surround them with goodwill, pleasure, and favor. Goodwill, pleasure, and favor. They surround me. Goodwill, pleasure, and favor surround me. Say that. Goodwill, pleasure, and favor surround me. Goodwill, pleasure, and favor surround me. surrounded by the arms of the Father I am surrounded with sons of 